my daughter is someone who loves movies, loves to watch movies, especially she loves, as she calls them, rom-coms, um, which I had to have her explain that to me. That's a romantic comedy. Turns out I like those too. And one of my favorite all-time romantic comedies is Sweet Home Alabama. Anybody ever see that? Let me see. Okay. Oh, we got some people. Okay. And how many of you at least have heard the song before and liked the song? All right. Who sings that song? You guys remember that? Okay, there you go. Oh, a couple different people sing that. I'm sorry. I, I heard two generations there. <laughs> Allman Brothers. No. Um, and uh, anyhow, um, one of the, uh, uh, well, if you didn't see the movie, let me just give you a quick synopsis. I promise you it ties into the message. I don't just get up here and talk about movies. All right, here's, here's, the, here's why it's important. So Reese Witherspoon is the star in this movie, and she's a, a small-town girl in Alabama, and she falls in love with her high school sweetheart, and they graduate high school, and they get married, and then um, I think small-town life didn't fit her big uh, aspirations. And so she left her husband, went to the big city, New York City, um, to, to make it big for herself, and she did. She became a fashionista, I think is what they would say, um, big in the fashion world. And, and while she was there, years had passed, and she fell in love with another guy who happened to be a very wealthy guy, and he proposed to her, and so they were going to get married, and so they decided to get married back in her hometown of Alabama. You with me so far? Okay. And so that's where all the shenanigans happen in the movie and why it's funny and all of that. Well, at the end of the movie, like all romantic movies happen, at the end of the movie, it's the climax scene, and, 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 and she runs out onto the, the stormy, rainy beach where he's out there, and, and in the, with the music playing, and you, know, the, you can feel it, and, and she goes out there and she says, you know, tells him why she's not going to marry that rich guy, and she wants to come back to him, and it's, what does she say to him? She says, I gave you my heart a long time ago. I gave you my heart a long time ago. And all the ladies said, oh, yeah, we love that part. Because when you truly love someone, we like to say, I give you my heart, right? That's, that's kind of our way of saying I'm all in for you, like all of me for all of you. Isn't that kind of how how we we describe it? Our heart is a way of saying we just, just, nobody else gets my heart but you. But, and the truth is, when you do give your heart to someone, you'll attest to this if you've ever done it before, if you've ever fallen in love, given your heart to someone, you, you really don't ever take it back. You don't ever take it back. It doesn't matter what happens. No matter how you feel about that person today, there's always going to be a part of you that, that cares about them, that, that you've given your heart to them. Am I right? The same applies when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship that you have with Jesus. I think most likely you probably fall into one of three groups. There's the group that says, I have never given my heart to Jesus. And and, and you'd be surprised at at the amount of people, I, I think, that are in churches today that have never truly given their heart to Jesus. Because 
they kind of grew up in religion. And they might even believe that there is a God, but the fact that he could actually love me and relate to me and know me, that's a little bit, you've never really been there before. So you might say, and it might be because you just never been to church before, we're finding um, that that's very common these days. Younger, the younger generations never even been to church before. Heck, you might be in church for the first time, it, it, or it might be something that you've never experienced before. They have instruments on stage. This is wild and crazy. I don't know. It might be that way for you. He, he doesn't have a robe on. He doesn't have a collar on. I do have a nice shirt, though, at least. I mean... And I showered. He tells jokes. That's not right in church. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, but you, you might not really have experienced church this way, and you might not even have gone to church before. And so you may be in that group that says, I've never given my heart to Jesus. Then there's the group that says, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I spend time with him every day. I think a lot of us, obviously you came to church, I see the, the same similar faces all the time. Those are the people that I know have given their heart to Jesus. They spend time with them. You read your Bible. You belong to a small group. You come to church regularly. And, and you love Jesus because you've given your heart to him and you spend time with him. Of course, that's what I hope for everyone here, that we'd all have a real, true, genuine relationship with Jesus. But then I think there are some that might fall into this group. You might fall into this group. I gave my heart to Jesus a long time ago, but I moved to the big city and started a new life. There are some that that's kind of where you're at. You see, we can all have those big moments with God in our life, and you might have had that. You might recall a time in the past where you got close to God. Maybe it was when you were a kid and you remember it vividly like Vacation Bible School that we have coming up this summer. We do that for our children so that they can, they can experience God. And um, You might have experienced God in Vacation Bible School or Sunday School growing up. Or, or you might have been on a youth retreat Somebody invited you and you went once and you were, this is, you just, you met with God. You got close to God for that little bit of time. Or, or maybe you got baptized when you were a young child or a baby. Or, may, or maybe you went to catechism or a confirmation of some sort. Or maybe you were in college and you, you went to a, a, a college kind of youth or a college uh, campus ministry, or, or maybe you were at a church one time and they had a service and the pastor or the priest said, you can come forward and surrender your life, to, and you did that because you, you heard from God. It was, it was probably powerful, it was probably emotional when it happened to you, um, but in that moment you felt close to God and you might have surrendered to him, but then, as it often happens in life, you got distracted. You got busy. Something changed in your life. Life does that, doesn't it? 
And, and, and it's been a long time since you got really close to God. I'm going to be honest, as a pastor, I see this happen all the time. It's sort of a, a repeating cycle a, a lot of times in people's lives. They get really close to God for a minute, and then they get really far from God for an hour. They get really close to God, they come to church for a couple weeks in a row, and then something happens, and then they're gone for months. But then they come back, and then they're gone. They come back, and they're gone. It's a cycle. And maybe you've been in that cycle before. But you know what? If you're hearing my words, you're here, and you're back. (laughs) And that's a great thing. And, And I believe that this is the time for you to get closer to God. I believe this is the time you're going to start living for God on purpose. I believe you, even if you don't believe you. I believe you. Because I believe God has you here for a reason. And if you've given your heart to Jesus a long time ago, and you got really far away from him for a while, but you're back now, I'm praising the Lord because you're back now. And that's what I'm going to celebrate, and that's what I want to encourage you. You see, I think that um, in God's Word today, in in the little bit that I'm going to talk about in God's Word today, uh, this is a shorter message that I normally would preach, but I'm going to just show you today on Palm Sunday, when Jesus enters in, they call it the the triumphant entry um, because of how how he enters um, Jerusalem. But with this big entrance that Jesus comes in, there's a lot of people at this particular event that Jesus does. And there's a lot of people who make Jesus their king for the day. But they don't make him the king of their heart every day. And you're going to see that in the word today. It was a big moment in their life, but here was the reality. They said, Hail King. They sang Hosanna in the highest. They said, He's our King. He's the one we've been waiting for. And days later, they yelled like our youth did, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. That's not making Jesus the King of your heart forever. And it teaches us this. We have a choice to make. You're going to make Jesus King for a day? King when it's convenient for you? Or are you going to make Jesus the king of your heart forever, every day? And that's the choice that I want you to make today. Because I think it comes down to that. We have a choice to make. And I want you to make the right choice, an informed choice. And so I'm going to show you what the scripture, what God's word teaches us. Before I do that, will you pray with me? Lord, I know that you're speaking to hearts right now. You're speaking... There's, there's something inside of many that, that, that's sort of welling up. It's getting uh, emotional a little bit in our hearts, and, and there's something tugging on us. And God, if there's someone here that needs to just choose you, God, I pray they will. I pray they'll surrender to you, because I know the life that, that we live when we live surrendered to you, when we live in relationship to you, when we choose you, God. I know what kind of life that is, and it's a, it's a wonderful life. It's the best life I've ever lived. I know the other side. I know the dark side. And I want to follow you, Lord. And I want everyone here to follow you and make that choice. So 
pray, Father, that you would speak to their hearts, that your Holy Spirit would do what only he can do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. See, you know the words. (laughs) Amen. So think about this for a minute. When you read about, when you read your Bible, when, not if, when you read your Bible, um, do you think about those people that are in the Bible that lived 2,000 years ago, if you're reading the New Testament? And they're 2,000 years ago. When you read about those people, do you see them like you see yourself? Because I, I feel like sometimes when we read something that happened way in the past, we might think that these are different people than us. That they're, they're, they're not really like us. And, and let's be honest, I mean, they obviously probably didn't wear the same clothes that, that we wear. Um, they didn't tell the same kind of jokes that you tell. They didn't drive the same cars. Oh, they didn't have cars? I beg to differ. They traveled in one accord. And sometimes they went in a caravan. Thanks for setting me up for that, Bobby. That was beautiful. Here's the reality, though. No matter what century you live in, people, people are the same because human behavior is the same. People are always going to have the same feelings. Sometimes you're going to be mad. Sometimes you're going to be sad. Sometimes you're going to be happy. Sometimes you're going to be excited, like when you come to Life of Purpose Church. But we all have the same gamut of feelings, and we all have the same core needs. When you really think about the core needs of human beings, we all have the same core needs. We all want safety. We like variety. We want significance. We all pursue love and connection and growth. We all want to make a difference. We want to help. We want to give. And the reason why we are all like that is because that's the way God made us. It doesn't matter what century you live live in, you will all want, though, all human beings have the same needs and the same feelings. So these people that got to meet Jesus, got to see Jesus come into town, riding on a donkey on Palm Sunday, they're they're the same kind of people that you are today. And they had to make a choice. Who is this Jesus? Who is he? We we, we call it Palm Sunday. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. And I'd like to talk about why Jesus is so popular. If you've been with us, been coming to church on Sunday, you know that for the last year and a half. I'm kind of excited because if I really think about this, I plan out sermons like, like I plan out the teaching, you know, a year in advance. So a year and a half ago almost, like I plan to go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the harmony of the Gospels, harmonizing them together. So you see the whole story of Jesus and his ministry. And his ministry lasted three and a half years. That's a very short time, actually. You know, pastors, well, they typically last about five years in a church and they're gone because there's a high turnover in that. But, you know, Jesus went three and a half years and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? but, but, but he did this three and a half year ministry. And, um, and I'm thinking back, like, this, this is what I've been waiting for for almost a year and a half. 
Like I planned it out so that we would go through the whole ministry and that we would finish in 2022, um, not really finish completely, but finish with on Easter, you know, where we're at now, the triumphant entry. And then, of course, Easter, the resurrection. And then I'll keep going into a little bit into June with what, what happened when Jesus appeared after, when he appeared, you know, came out of the tomb, the tomb, the empty tomb. Just like the play. So I'm excited, but here's the deal. Jesus got really famous, super famous. I mean, people talked about Jesus right now. This is the last week of his life, just so you know. This is three and a half years coming to a a, a pinnacle here, and this is the last year of his life, and this is Sunday, and he's dying on Friday. And that's what we, all this teaching is is all of this. And he's so famous right now, and I'm going to tell you why. I mean, he's more famous than than getting slapped at the Oscars. I mean, he's super famous. On this Sunday, this huge crowd came out to see him because for the Jewish person, the Passover, which was Thursday night, the Passover was coming. So if you are Jewish and you live far away, you still come to Jerusalem for the Passover to celebrate the Passover feast. So it's like this huge influx of people. I mean, this, this town is crowded, and they're all in town. And here's the thing. People are, you know, they come in from out of town, and they're like, hey, what's going on? What's been happening in Jerusalem? <gasps> Let me tell you. Let me tell you. There's a guy named Jesus, and he raised the guy from the dead named Lazarus. Let me show you in John 12. In John 12, verse 17, the crowd that had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, he raised Lazarus from the dead, they continued to bear witness. Think about it. If you see someone come out of a tomb who'd been in the tomb for four days and he's alive now, you're going to tell everybody about it. And they're telling everybody about it. And that's why the crowd went out to meet him, verse 18, because they had heard he had done this thing. And the Pharisees who hated Jesus, the religious leaders, by the way, hated him because he threatened their very existence. He, they said, look, the world has gone out after him. That was their way of saying, they're all going to follow him now and not us. And they're the ones who orchestrated his crucifixion. This massive crowd came out to see Jesus on a, sun, on a Sunday, the first day of the week. Why do we call it Palm Sunday now? I mean, this was just a normal Sunday then, but why do we call it Palm Sunday? Well, I'll go to Mark now. Mark chapter 11, verse 8. When Jesus entered the the road, if you will, they spread their, their cloaks on the road, but then others took leafy branches, palm branches. They cut from the fields, and they put them on the ground. And it was this, this whole, like, grand entrance, if you will. And, and they were shouting in verse 9, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Now, what is this word, Hosanna? Hosanna means, oh, save. Oh, save. They were singing, save us, king. They were calling him a king. Look at this. They said, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Now, think about what they wanted to be saved from. They were being oppressed by the Roman government. 
They wanted salvation from the government. Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> Be careful, Matt. <laughs> but, the, but the Jewish kingdom at one point under King David was the most powerful kingdom on earth. Solomon, his son, was the richest man and the wisest man in the, uh, in the world. I mean, they had a huge, powerful kingdom at one point, and the prophecies, the prophets said that at one point in the future, that will happen again. They were waiting for a king. And now, they're starting to talk about Jesus is that guy. He's the king. In fact, Matthew, who wrote his gospel, Matthew wrote his gospel to show and to prove that Jesus was truly the king of all kings. He, he quotes prophets all the time. In, in Matthew 21.5, he quotes Zechariah. Say to the daughter of Zion, this is a big clue. How do we know when the king's going to be here? Big clue, Matthew says. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of a bird. You'll know it's God's king because he's going to come in on a donkey. Now, you might think, well, that's not very, like, noble or very... That, why is that a big deal? Why isn't he riding in on a big, giant stallion or Mustang or... Where's Linda? She knows all the horses. Uh, because that was the way that a king entered his hometown after going out to fight, and they won the battle. They came in riding on a donkey. And so this is the moment at which Jesus is coming in on a donkey. Where did he get the donkey? Let's go to Luke. Luke tells us in chapter 19, Jesus sent two disciples in town to borrow a donkey. He said, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. I'll jump to verse 35. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and, and then put Jesus on it. And then in verse 38, they sang, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Can you just imagine the emotions that these people were feeling at this moment? I mean, there is so much excitement, so much enthusiasm, so much energy right now at this moment, at this place. I mean, this is like, you know, uh, the preacher's preaching and the organist is playing and the choir's singing and his voice is getting louder and, and you feel the emotions. Th this is what's happening here. And I, and I believe maybe some of them got caught up in the moment. But I think some of them responded to God in that moment genuinely. Because some of them, they made Jesus king. Maybe for their heart, of their heart forever, but maybe some of them just got caught up in the moment and they made Jesus king for the day. I don't know. But there was a lot of people there and there was a lot of energy and there was a lot of enthusiasm and they saw this person who they heard about raise the man from the dead, did lots and lots of miracles other than that one, taught like nobody's ever taught before, and they're thinking, who is this Jesus? Is he really the king? Is he the one? Is he the Messiah? 
And some of them made Jesus the king of their heart forever, but some of them made Jesus just king for the day. Because in that courtyard on Friday, some of them were yelling, crucify him. Jesus knew this would happen, by the way. If you were to keep reading in Luke 19, Jesus says something very prophetic about about the temple. Now, remember, for the Jewish person, the temple was a sacred, holy place. It started with the tabernacle when it was a tent. And there was three parts of it. It was a sacred place. And Jesus says something that they didn't want to hear, but verse 41, he says, when they got near, they saw the city of Jerusalem. In fact, he's not just looking at the temple. He's, he's talking about the whole city of Jerusalem. And he actually wept over it. There's a few times in the Bible, by the way, if you want to memorize a Bible verse, start with John eleven thirty-five. 35. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. He wept because he saw Lazarus' family crying, and he wept with them. That's why it's a relationship with Jesus. He cries with you. And he wept over Jerusalem, and he said, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are going to be hidden from your eyes. The day is going to come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you. They will surround you and hem you in on every side and they will tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And Jesus was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which took place about 40 years later. It's never been the same. Jesus talked about it. He wept over it. But these people singing Hosanna, remember, they're religious people. The problem is, is that they tried to love God through their religion, through their traditions, and through the law, Moses' law that he laid down, and through the temple. They, they saw church as a building. It's one of the reasons why I love how we started as a church. We rented a school. For 13 years. And we worshiped God in a rented space for 13 years. It was real easy to teach the churches in a building when you're renting space. <laughs> but the problem with that is, is you don't really get the relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, if you think it comes through the, the rules that you follow, the traditions, and, and, and the building that you go to. That's never going to be a relationship. They didn't have a relationship with God. They knew about God, but they didn't know God. That's a big difference. Do you know about God, or do you know God? Do you know about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? It's a big difference. In the end, for those that just know about God, it's tragic. And I tell you that for this reason, because I don't want that to be your story. Don't let that be your story. Don't let that be the final chapter in your life. Jesus isn't interested in being king for a day. He wants to be the king of your heart forever. And I tell you, it doesn't matter what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. You're here now, in the present. And if you gave your heart to Jesus a long time ago, come back to him. Come back to him. You've been living out in the big city, far from Jesus Come back to 
Sweet Home Jesus. <laughs> Sing it that way from now on. Renew your commitment to him. Has Jesus ever stopped loving you? Even when maybe your life was like the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, who was eaten out of the pig pen? Maybe you're there, been there. But Jesus, he never stops loving you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus before, you've never made him king of your heart, you can do that today. You have a choice. You can sing, Hosanna is the highest, he'll save you. You can trust him to forgive you. It doesn't matter how many bad things you've done. There's not one bad thing that you can do that's worse than that someone else in the Bible has already done and been forgiven for. Those are our examples to show us that. I know so, I've talked with people. Man, I, I, they, they, they think I, I've done something so, so horrible, God would never forgive me. You're so wrong. The evil one wants you to believe that. Don't believe that. That's not the truth. The truth is God will forgive you for anything you've done. You just have to ask him. Please forgive me. I know Jesus died for me. Trust him to heal you. You came here this morning with a broken heart. God can make you whole again. He loves you. He can do that. It may not happen overnight. But if you keep walking with him, loving him, having a relationship with him, he'll heal you. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to let you down. Put your faith in Jesus. Make him the king of your heart. You have that choice to make. I ask our team to come up and, and sing this song for you and to help you to sing it as well. But as they're singing this song, think about the choice that you can make right there, right in your seat. You don't even have to move a muscle. You can close your eyes and you can talk to God and you can pray and you can say, God, I want to make you the king of my heart. I want a relationship with you. I'm done with this religion thing. I want a relationship with you, God. I want to know you. He knows you already. He knows every hair on your head. Which means he knows less of me now. No, he knows all of me. And he knows all of you. So I'm going to pray, and then our band is going to lead us in this final song, and I encourage you to sing along with it. And if you want to make that decision to choose Jesus, make him the king of your heart. Not just today, not just when it's convenient, but every day. It's the best life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message and, and, and this time of the year, of the season. Every single year, we set our mind on Easter, on the resurrection, on Good Friday, on the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, on Palm Sunday, and just all of the events that led up to, to our salvation. And God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that your son went to the cross. Thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us so we can be forgiven, so we can spend eternity with you in heaven. God, I pray for those that are here today that, that if there's something on their heart, if, if something's speaking to them, God, I pray that they would just surrender to you. They would just tell you right now they want to make you king of their heart. They would give you all of their heart. In Jesus' name.